Well, welcome to The Crossing. Good to see you today. Glad that you're here. If this is your first time here, we're just honored that you would join us here at The Crossing. And I would like to welcome those who are at the Southeast Campus, our microsites, those who are watching online. Can we just give them a big welcome, big hand for being here? Glad you're part of The Crossing family with us. Well, next week we start a brand new series called Hope Rising. Maybe for you, in the events that happen on October 1st, maybe you're still having a hard time processing all of those events and you don't know how to move forward. Or maybe you're in a season of rebuilding in your life and you don't know what your next step is. Well, next week we're going to start this series. We're going to walk through the book of Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, there is incredible wisdom for times like this. And I just want to encourage you not only to be here as we start this new series, but that you bring a friend along with you because I just think God has some wisdom to speak into us and through us during these times. Well, when I was in college, I was a youth pastor at a church in Oklahoma. I actually started out as the intern at this church, and I worked under a youth pastor, and then he transitioned to become the associate at the church. Well, one of the elders took Darla and I out to lunch, and he said, we would like to offer you a full-time job. I had a year left of college. He said, if you can continue to come every weekend like you do now, but when you graduate, we want you to come on full-time. Well, this was a great opportunity for me because Darla was pregnant with our first child, and to have the security of a job was a big deal. Well, a few months later, our associate pastor decided to go to another church, And so the elders called me into their elders meeting on this Sunday afternoon. And they said, as you know, Dave is going to this other church and we feel like we need a full-time youth pastor now. We cannot wait a year for you to get out of school. Would you like today to be your last day? I was like, what? I mean, what just happened here? I walked in thinking that I was going to go full-time and I graduated. And now I was worried about my reputation, what people are going to think of me being let go that very same day. So what do you do when doors are closed in your life? When the crossing was brand new, we began to look for land for our church. Jim Barrickman was on our original leadership team, and in Jim's former life, he had been this developer. And so I said, why don't you just find us land? You've done this. Let me just do what I do. Why don't you find us a piece of property? Well, when the church is about three months old, we put an offer on a piece of property that was on Fort Apache just south of Tropicana. It was 30 acres for $6 million. Now, it sits today catty corner to where the Walmart is, but at that point, there was nothing out there. But we had this guy, even though it was $6 million, we had a guy at our church who was part of a tech company, and he said, I will do the first $2 million. Let's see if we can raise the other $4 million. Well, over the next few months, the dot-com bubble burst, and that $2 million vanished, and it became obvious that we were not going to be able to afford this piece of land. And I was just disappointed with God, because I thought, God, you can make this happen. I know that you have the power to do this. Why won't you do this? So what do you do when you feel like God has closed a door in your life? How do you respond to those closed doors? 
Well, today we are concluding our series that we've been calling Open Doors. And here's what's true about all of us. We all want to know God's will for our life. We all just have this question, God, what is your will for my life? We want to know what doors God is opening and what doors God is closing. And we base this series off of a scripture in Revelation where Jesus is speaking to a church in a city called Philadelphia. It was in Asia Minor. And he says this. He says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This idea of the open door, this is a divine opportunity from God. This right here is an invitation from God to make your life count. And God is the God of open doors, that God has a will for your life. And so as we conclude this series, what I want to do right now is I just want to kind of bring you up to speed. I want to recap where we've been in the last few weeks of this series in case you missed any of the weeks. We started off talking about the foundational principle of God's will. That God's will is more about the person that you become than the door that you choose. See, God's will is more about who you are than what you do. And God's ultimate will for you is that you would become more like Jesus. That's God's will for you. Well, in part two, we, we ask these four questions to discern God's will. It's these four questions that can help us know what God's will is. And the first one is, does the Bible, does this line up with the Bible? That if God will never call you to do something in your life that is contrary to the Bible, that God's moral will for your life is already in the Bible. So we look at what does the Bible say? The second question is, does godly counsel agree? That we need to have a few friends in our life who are godly people who love you, want God's best for you. And God will use them many times to speak wisdom into us. It's how we help determine maybe what God's direction is for us. This third question is, do the circumstances point to an open door? Because God always works through circumstances and opportunities. It's the way that God always works. And then here's this fourth question. How is the Holy Spirit guiding? That if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's the Spirit of Jesus in you. And if you will pay attention to the Spirit, Spirit will will begin to guide you in a direction of your life. Well, then we talked about what do you do when you have two doors? How do you choose between door number one and door number two when both of these doors are open? And we read a scripture, and I taught out of a scripture that's out of the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus, and in chapter one, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. And we learn this principle right here. It's to ask for wisdom and pursue wisdom. That I ask for wisdom on a daily basis. God, give me wisdom. I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. 
And then we pursue wisdom. You pursue wisdom through God's word. You pursue wisdom through godly counsel. And so you're asking for and pursuing wisdom to know which doors to begin to walk through. Then a couple weeks ago, Lee did a great job of talking about the purpose of open doors. That open doors are never just about us. Open doors are about the people who are coming behind us. And this principle that we learned that day is that God comforts us to comfort others. That God works in our life, he comforts us, so then we can look behind us and we can comfort those people who are coming behind us. It's part of how God works in us. Well, what do you do when God says no? What do you do when when God closes the door in your life, those doors that you pray and pray and pray for God to open, and he never does? It doesn't feel like he is speaking into us. So if you're a parent, or if you've ever had parents, okay, that's all of us, right? Okay, we all in this together? then you know what it means to say no. Because there's certain seasons of your life where as a parent you just feel like you're saying no all the time. Just no, no, no. You, you feel like that's all you say. Well, what happens when your heavenly father says no? What do you do with that? Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 26 because we're going to look at a story in the life of Jesus that addresses this very topic right here. And let me give you the setting of the story. The setting is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has just had the Last Supper with his disciples, and they walked to a place called the Mount of Olives. And the Garden of Gethsemane was probably a private olive grove that Jesus had permission to use. And this is a place that he often went. And through this story, we discover a truth about closed doors, because God knows all about closed doors. We're going to start Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I want you to get this scene here because there is, there's gates to this private little garden that Jesus goes to pray, and he leaves eight of his disciples outside of the gate. Judas is already gone. He leaves eight of the disciples outside, but he brings his three closest friends in the garden with him, Peter, James, and John. And although Jesus goes by himself to pray, he wants his friends close by. It goes on, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed. That Jesus' suffering does not start at the cross. Jesus' suffering starts right here at this place. Because he knows what is coming the next day. And he is overwhelmed with sorrow. Have you ever spent the night dreading the events of the following day? For some of you, it was a court case. That you had to go to court the next day, and you didn't know how it was going to end up. Maybe it was a deposition that you had to give, and you didn't know how this was all going to turn out for you. Maybe it was surgery. You were heading to the hospital, and you were going to have surgery, and the doctor says there was a chance that you're not going to make it. 
Or maybe it's a conversation that you were going to have with somebody the next day and you knew that it was not going to be good news. And it was just this weight that was over you. See, probably every one of us has or will spend the night where we can barely sleep because of the events that are going to come the next day. Jesus knows what that's like. He spent the night knowing that the next day he would stand trial and then he would be beaten and crucified. For us, crucifixion's something that we see in the movies. For Jesus, he grew up as a boy in Palestine and he saw it with his eyes. He knew what it was like and he knew the next day he was going to be crucified. He knows what it's like to try to go to sleep and dread the events to come. He knows what it's like to have friends who will betray him. It goes on and says, going a little further, he fell, to his fa- he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And I want you to notice these two words right here, if and yet. Because Jesus will wrestle for the rest of the night between these two words, if and yet. He will say, if it is possible, God, if it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, if it is possible that I don't have to give my life on the cross, if it is possible to redeem mankind in any other way, yet, not as I will, but as you will. That he will wrestle between this if and yet all night long. See, it is okay to pray for an open door. It is okay to pray for God to intervene in your circumstances. God, if it is possible for this situation to change, it's okay to do that. But real surrender happens in the yet. Yet, not my will, but your will. God, this is what I'm asking for, but I surrender what I want in my life to what you want in my life. And Jesus would pray this prayer, and he would wrestle all night long with this. And your salvation and my salvation would hang in the balance between if and yet. And I'm so grateful that Jesus wrestled between these two things, and he chose us. Because in Isaiah 53, it says this, it says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That Jesus would wrestle all night long, God, if there is any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. I am willing to go to the cross to take their iniquity and their transgressions. goes on and says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Have you, ever, have you ever been in school or a movie or maybe it's in church right now and you're just struggling to stay awake? 
I mean, it's like, it's all you can think about. I mean, you just try to just talk yourself into to stay awake, stay awake. You're trying to keep your eyes open and you can't. And if you have friends like me, they don't wake you up. They just watch you nod off, you know, and just wake yourself back up so they can laugh at you. They just allow this to go on all through the service. When I was in college, I had this professor that if anybody fell asleep in his class, he would start teaching very quietly. And then at the end of class, he would have everybody get up without saying a word. And then he would meet the next class on the outside. He would tell them to come in very quietly. So whenever this guy woke up, he would wake up in this class, and he had no idea who all these people were. (laughs) The disciples are trying to stay awake. But it's been an exhausting week for them. But I think Jesus is just a little disappointed in Peter. Peter, on the way here, you said that you would never deny me. In fact, you said you would even die for me. And now you can't even stay awake with me. I I know that you have good intentions, but you are not as strong as you think you are. The temptation to fall away is going to come on you in a strong way. Verse 42 says, He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. You remember the first time he says, if it is possible, now he's saying, if it is not possible. He's beginning to resolve in his own mind that he's going to have to go to the cross. But again, it's not my will, but your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He went away a third time saying, God, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And three times, God answered no. It was at this point that Judas shows up in the garden and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. He knows where Jesus will be, and he leads all those people in, and they will lead him to his death. And all of this went on in Gethsemane, a place where God said no. See, there's something inside all of us that would like to sit in God's chair. Because we think that we know what's best. We want to be God. Now, we would never say it like that. We just want to call the shots for our life because we think we know what's best for our life. God, I want her to fall in love with me. Now, God, I want her to fall out of love with me. God, I want this job. God, give me another job. Give me a better job. We have certain expectations of God. But God's plans may be bigger than your circumstances. And there is a principle that we learn from Jesus that will change your life. And it happens between the if and the yet of your situation. It is okay to pray if it is possible. God, open up this door for me. It's okay to pray that. But true spiritual maturity comes in the yet. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. See, this is where God finally has our heart, a surrendered heart. And this is the key to The closed doors in your life. God, not my will, but your will be done. And this principle right here, it will change your life. 
So trying to make sense of these closed doors, how do we do that? See, I don't know why some prayers get yeses and other prayers get noes. We all have the question of why. God, why am I still single? Why did my marriage end? Why did the tragedy happen in Las Vegas? Why did I get cancer? And on this side of the door, we are filled with questions that we may never get an answer. In this small group study that we've been a part of, John Ortberg has written this this small group study. And this week, he talks about why God may have closed doors in our life. And I thought they were so helpful that I wanted to share those with you today. Because a closed door may be God's greatest gift to you. And here's this first lesson that we learn, is that I may be knocking on the wrong door. That there may, for some of us, there may be a door that we're knocking on that is the wrong thing for our life. Remember James and John, the disciples who who wanted to be in a position of power? So they get their mother to ask Jesus if they can sit on the right and left of Jesus when he becomes king. This is the positions of power on the right and the left. And Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God doesn't really work by getting your mommy to do your self-promotion. So the answer is no. Another time they go to a Samaritan village and there is racial tension between the Samaritans and Israelites in a way that's beyond any racial tensions that we've ever seen. And the people fail there at the Samaritan village. They fail to welcome Jesus and the disciples. And James and John say, should we just pray for fire from heaven to destroy this village? And Jesus answers, I appreciate the gesture, but no, you know, we're not going to do that. All throughout the Bible, we see closed doors in response to wrong requests. In fact, there are four different people in the Bible who ask God to take their life. Maybe you have prayed this same prayer in a dark moment of your life. And I thank God that sometimes he says no. Because sometimes we are asking for the wrong thing. Here's the second lesson that we can learn is doors close because there is something better. Many times doors close for us because there is something better in our life and we don't see it yet. When I was in this church in Oklahoma that let me go, I didn't understand it. But it was about six months later that I accepted a position at a church in St. Louis, and this was the perfect place for us, that we started our family there. And this church was so loving to my family. And I began to gain experience and wisdom by working at this church, and we were there for five and a half years. It was just a wonderful season of our life. And while I was at that church, I met a guy by the name of Mike Bro, who had started a brand new church in Las Vegas called Canyon Ridge Christian Church. And so we loaded up our minivan and we moved to Las Vegas to be part of that brand new church. And it was that church that started this church, that God had something better for us. When we were looking for land and that land didn't come through and And I was so disappointed in God. I was so disappointed because this dot-com bubble had burst and the money had gone away. And I was so disappointed. I'm so grateful because that was the wrong location for us. 
It was about a year later that Jim found this piece of property that we're sitting on right now, right at the corner of a major intersection, surrounded by thousands of homes. And what I didn't see at the time is, is God had something so much better for us. See, I actually find myself saying, God, thank you for closed doors. You know, it's like that old Garth Brooks song, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. And maybe for you, you know, you thank God for the girl that rejected you because God says, I have someone so much better for you. Or that, that financial opportunity that you thought was an opportunity that the door got closed, but actually it was God saving you from losing thousands of dollars. And God closed that door because he had something better. And in each of those things, usually we're filled with disappointment and questions because we cannot see at the time what God is doing. But God is ultimately saying, I have something better for you. I have something better for you. Here's this third lesson. Is doors closed because I need to grow? Sometimes doors close because God needs to do some character work in you. And sometimes God is saying, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not yet. Just not yet. Because God is in the character molding business. And here's the hard truth. Here's a hard truth that some of you need to hear right now. Some doors are closed because you are resisting his will. For some of you, you are angry at God. And you've been resisting God because he hasn't done something that you thought that he should have done in your life. And so you quit reading your Bible and you quit going to church and you quit trying. You will never experience God's sustaining grace as long as you are fighting against his will for your life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And in the gap between what I think God should do and what God chooses to do is his sufficient, sustaining, empowering grace. For some of you, it's fear. It is, it's fear in your life. I sometimes want God to guarantee a good outcome for me before I step through a door. But it is not what is on the other side of the door that gives me confidence to go through it. It's the one who goes with me. See, what we want most is not what lies behind the door. What we want most is the one who opens it. And followers of Jesus are never promised an easy life. But they are promised the presence of the one who brings life. Jesus. What if Jesus' prayer in the garden had been answered and Jesus was not crucified on the cross? God's no to his son was a yes to every human being that ever lived. God's no to his son was a yes to you so that you could have a relationship with Jesus. But the only way for you to have a relationship with Jesus is for you to walk through that ultimate door to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Because the ultimate door is a person. Jesus says in John 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, I am the door, and that door will never be closed to you. Well, I want to close this series by teaching you a prayer. It's a prayer that I've prayed many times. And for some of you, this will not be a new prayer. You have prayed this prayer for years. But for others, this will be the most bold prayer that you've ever prayed. It's just this prayer, God, show me your will for my life. God, show me your will for my life. See, it changes from God, here's all of my plans that I want you to work out for me. Saying, okay, God, I am surrendered to you. Now will you show me your will for my life, for my dating relationship, for my marriage, for my kids, for my job, for my money. I pray this prayer all the time. God, show me your will for my life. What if you begin to pray this prayer? God, not my will, but your will be done. God, show me your will. Even if you're not sure that God is a personal God, what if you begin to pray this prayer? And so that's how I want to close my message, is for us to pray this together. And I'm just going to ask that you would just bow your heads. Just close your eyes. And I want you to pray this prayer. God, show me your will for my life. Just say that to God right now. God, show me your will for my life. God, that's our prayer. God, we want to surrender our will and our wants for what you would have in our life. So God, show me your will for my life. God, show us your will. God, I know that there are some in here right now who are wrestling with the relationship with Jesus, and today could be their day, that knowing that your ultimate will for them is to start a personal relationship with Jesus, to make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. God, there's others who have been resisting your will. And God, we just, in an act of surrender, say, show me your will. God, not my will, but your will. We thank you for Jesus who went to the cross so that he could open up that door for us, that door of salvation. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.